What's up, y'all? Uh, it's Eric. <laughs> and we're back with another thrilling, engaging installment of Eric's Mediocre Adventures. Uh, this one's going to be another random episode of, of uh, like, several different topics. Some ranking stuff, some just... Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much just ranking stuff, I guess. And it's going to be a little bit um, all over the place. Uh, what we're starting with, though, is we're going to start with uh, some holiday film rankings. And then going to go on to some TV show discussion and some rankings from that. And then finally, uh, uh, gonna talk a little bit about MMA because uh, because I can. I'm interested in it, and and recent events have made me more interested uh, in talking about it. So I'm going to, and I'll put it at the end in case you really don't want to hear it. But yeah, uh, <clears throat> I've had a very off couple of days, couple of weeks. Um, so I just I haven't really had time to do much else, but I I wanted to do something, and I know it's 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 an excuse that comes up again and again uh, on here, but it's just it's been a busy time, and I just wanted to do something, and I thought with Halloween uh, being in well, three days from today, I got the idea for the holiday movies, and I was like, well, this this isn't gonna be enough uh, to to fill any amount of time, so I'm like, I guess I will go and. Uh, expand on it and then it just became other things so yeah but th that's that's the plan so we'll start with uh, with the main bit which is uh, I rank my five favorite Halloween movies um, these ones are ranked in order uh, not all lists are, but this one is. Uh, general rule I have when it comes to, to holiday movies. And once I get to Christmas, uh, I know some people will probably be upset <laughs> at what I say, but I do not count movies that just take place during the holiday. Uh, the holiday has to be a part of the plot in some significant fashion uh, for it to be in my opinion, a holiday movie. So, like, a movie that takes place during Halloween, just like it just happens to be Halloween at some point in the movie, does not make it a Halloween movie. Or the main thing, the main one, um, Die Hard. I do not think Die Hard is a Christmas movie just because it happens to take place during Christmas. Uh, which is why it won't be on the list. Uh, it's also sadly why Rocky Four is not on the list, even though the fight takes place during Christmas, and I would like to say that it is a Christmas movie. It is not. So yeah, that's pretty much the only caveat on this, uh, on these rankings, these first few, is that the holiday has to be part of the plot, essentially. Okay, okay. So, number five 
is a childhood favorite. I've not watched it in many, many years, but there really isn't that many. Uh, there really isn't that many holiday movies, or not holiday, sorry, Halloween movies. So it was kind of you know more difficult to pick, but uh, this one is Double Double Toil and Trouble, uh, starring Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. And it's a fun little little thing because they're kind of, if I remember correctly, they're kind of witches and like they are trying to save someone from someone else, but they're also being chased by some bad people at one point I remember. Um, but yeah, this was one of the first Mary-Kate and Ashley movies I saw. There was this one and then um, The Grandma's House We Go, I think it's called, and it began, it began the obsession for me that I know many people shared um, fun story a little bit of a tangent uh, not a tangent but a you know side aside whatever aside plot <laughs> um, I had a friend uh, well, a couple friends but only one of them was alive at the time so it's it's just a friend uh, when I was younger, we were living in Brazil, and there's a family uh, who were from the States, and we learned that their family, like their parents, were friends with uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's parents. So uh, my friend knew them when they were young, and then he also uh, attended like babysitting, like, like a babysitting slash daycare kind of thing. Uh, like where someone would watch him and and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, so I thought that was pretty, pretty neat. Because Elizabeth Olsen is cool, and I may have already told this story before. I can't remember. I may have told it during the Civil War commentary. But yeah, uh, I'm a friend of a friend of the Olsens, and then that makes me super popular. So take that. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> Double Double Toy and Trouble is number five. Um, I just remember thinking it was a lot of fun, and I and, and it was still somehow spooky. Uh, but I guess when you're a little kid, everything's a little bit scary. But yeah. Number four on the list uh, is kind of, again, more so because of the limit, like the, the lack of Halloween movies, rather than it is because of... Uh, any pure enjoyment of it, but it's a 1998's Halloween Town, which is a Disney Channel original movie, uh, one of the f one of the first ones, I think. Uh, okay, no, not at all one of the first ones, but one of the first more popular ones because I haven't heard of any of these. Uh, oh wait, yeah, no, never mind. Disney Channel original movies. It was the fourth, so it was pretty early. Okay, cool. I was right. Anyways, this uh, movie, I'm sure most people have seen, but if you're, you know, living under a rock or whatever, there's like an alternate dimension or something that's connected to ours called Halloween Town, where all of the Halloween creatures and stuff went to live uh, out of fear of persecution by like us and you're just like you know fair fair enough which trials and stuff my guy like yeah so they live there and uh the main characters 
live in the normal world and their mom is mean and hates Halloween and stuff and she's bitter and you learn essentially that that's because she was from Halloween Town or whatever uh, and their grandma comes to visit and their grandma's from Halloween Town and, and she's a witch and, and all of the kids are witches and, and then a warlock for the other one uh, and they go to Halloween Town, and then they have to save Halloween Town from Zanzibar or Kanzibar, um, Calabar, uh, Malamar. They gotta save uh, Halloween Town from Malamar, Calabar, and uh, it's just a fun little harump. Uh, which, when you watch back when you're older, you see how incredibly low budget and bad. <laughs> this movie is um but it's still like it's still got that kind of like nostalgia halloween magic uh it's fun and it's got a great cast uh debbie reynolds was in it um kimberly j brown who played marnie for the first three i think was was great uh that's pretty much it the rest I don't really care about. And then this, yeah, this one spawned sequels, and I don't like any of the sequels. Uh, there's Halloween 2, Calabar's Revenge, um, where Malamar comes back from the dead to get revenge, and then they have to beat Zanzibar again, and it's, it's good times. And there's Halloween Town High, uh, which I only remember because it's got Ryan Evans from High School Musical in it, and... Uh, I guess a bunch of Halloween Town people come to normal high school or something. And then there's Return to Halloween Town, which is the worst, and where they, for some reason, decided to only recast Marnie <laughs> and kept everyone else the same. And they're at university for, for, for some reason. But yeah, that's number four. Uh, number three is kind of, it's kind of joint, so I, I, gave, I gave it to two movies because they're kind of connected, and I feel like they work really well together. And those are... Oh, excuse me. And those are John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. And then the uh, reboot week equal, the reboot equal, the, 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 the sequel uh, from 2018, Halloween 2018. Uh... Well, I personally like Halloween too. The rest of the Halloweens are, are hot garbage. And I really, really like what they did in the 2018 Halloween. I thought that was a very good movie. And it's one I've watched a couple times and can still go back and watch because it's a lot of fun. And then the first one's just really cool. And it's it's fun to see how many like horror things or horror cliches came from this movie. Uh, the first one, the one from 1978. So like, I really like that. Uh, Michael Myers is really cool. Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Uh, and just getting to see her story from one to the 2018 one is is wild stuff. Uh, the only thing I don't like that they removed is that they they're not siblings anymore. And um, I think them being siblings uh, and that being why he came back to the, the town uh, Michael Myers being um, 
was the thing that made it like really interesting because um, it gave him more of a reason than just like random killing but I also understand why they removed it so it's fine I, I don't have to like it but <laughs> yeah this one people might not agree with and I went back and forth on whether I was going to include this because uh, it, it, it's it, it's on the verge of only taking place during Halloween but a lot of the movie is also building up to Halloween like it's 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 a plot line to build up to Halloween so I was like mm -hmm, I guess uh, so yeah I decided to, to do it and it's uh, Casper from 1995 uh, which I mostly know as the film that introduced Christina Ricci to me even though I feel like she did movies before this but it was the first movie I saw her in and uh, Casper's just a really good movie it's really fun it's very sad like it's funny um, it's emotional like it's just a it's just an all around good time And uh, yeah, there's a there's a Halloween party going on at the end, and 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 they uh, it's it's a plot line that that uh, they are gonna host the Halloween party at their at their home where the ghosts live and where these people are trying to get in to steal something. I can't really remember what it was. What are they trying to steal? Oh, treasure. There's just, I guess, random treasure that they're trying to find. Um, but yeah. It's very good. Uh, it also spawns some sequels. One of which I really liked. And one of which I just did not like. But for some reason, I can never... I can never find it. When I look it up, I'm going to see if I can find it now. Is it this one? Yes. Okay. Uh, Casper is Spirited Beginning, which I guess is technically a prequel. I guess. I don't know. All I remember is I used to watch that movie a bunch as a kid, and then it was more into my later years. I would say probably 2006, maybe 2007, that I even learned that there was another one, uh, Casper Meets Wendy, which uh, Hilary Duff is in. It's her first big movie, and it's less good but it's all right. It's all right. But yeah, that's number two. And number one, I feel is is fairly obvious. And uh, to to anyone who's who's thinking, what Halloween movie's coming? Uh, it's, they feel it's probably obvious. Uh, it's Hocus Pocus from nineteen ninety three. Hocus Pocus is my favorite holiday movie in general, counting like any holiday. It is one of my uh, favorite movies of movies, like. I find this movie incredibly enjoyable, um, funny, there's a lot of innuendos if you're older, but kids can also watch it, uh, the Sanderson sisters are, are phenomenal, uh, you get a cat that talks and that's fun, uh, all this good stuff, but yeah, this movie came out in 1993 and it's directed by Kenny Ortega, 
who is uh, well known for the High School Musical trilogy, uh, being the director of that. And uh, there's a sequel in the works for that, uh, for this one. And it's going to be directed by, I guess, Adam Shankman. Uh, he's not a... Is he directing it or is he writing it? Directed. Okay, that's weird. I, I feel like he's never... Has he directed anything? Yes, he has. He's directed a lot. Okay, so he was the director of Walk to Remember, uh, Chewed by the Dozen, The Pacifier... Rock of Ages, the one with um, uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so yeah, he's done a lot of a lot of kind of musical stuff that uh, that it's some stuff that I've enjoyed. So I mean, I, I I'm really interested to see what they do uh, in a sequel, especially where like they kind of solved everything in this one I'm curious how they're going to come back well I guess the book opens its eye at the end so if the book's alive I think it's implied that they're alive so maybe maybe but yeah I like everyone probably in life uh, loved Sarah Sanderson <laughs> as a young man I was like as a, as, even as a kid, I was like, I like her, she's fun, and I didn't really realize why. Then you get older, and you're like, okay, I kind of realize why. <laughs> um, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. And then as I got older, uh, I started to appreciate Winifred more and more, and she kind of became my favorite just because she's hilarious. Uh, and Kathy and Jimmy says she's funny. I think she's funny. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Um... Yeah, but this this movie's got a lot of uh, incredible things. You got the Call Me Ice, you got the Yabos, uh, <laughs> you got the <laughs> the bus driver with the we were looking for children, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it may take me a couple tries, but I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> it's just it, it's just really good. It's 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 a lot of fun, and I love it. And it's number one for Halloween. Uh, so we're going to pop on to Christmas. Again, uh, Christmas movies only, not movies that take place during Christmas. So no Die Hard, uh, no Rocky Four. Even though if I could put Rocky Four, Rocky Four would be on the list. Uh, and I'm going to start with a honorable mention to A Christmas Story. My dad loves it, and I've seen it so many times like probably for the first 15 16 years of my life i saw it at least once a year <laughs> i don't particularly like it there's some parts i find funny but it's not a movie that i enjoy all that much so it's not on the list but number five we're starting with the jingle all the way starring arnold schwarzenegger from 1996 uh the the film itself is about a dad, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is trying to get a toy, a very popular toy, uh, on Christmas Eve for his son, uh, young Anakin Skywalker, uh, Jake Lloyd. And it's just a whole bunch of shenanigans that surround that. It's again, it's it's Arnold, so you know you get you get Arnold from it, and then there's that. But it's still just, it's just one of those movies. I guess I saw enough as a kid that it that it got a, 
it wormed its way into my heart and, and into my into my brain in a way that made me like it. All I remember is that he at some point ends up dressing as the toy that his kid wants and it makes his kid super happy and something. I don't know. Number four is Tim Allen's Santa Claus 2. Most people would probably say the first one is their favorite and I do really love the first one. But the second one for some reason is just really funny to me. Mostly like comet like the reindeer they add in a bunch of like funny stuff with the reindeer where they've got stupid voices where it's like blah, 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 blah. and then you got the toy santa who's really funny um you got and then all this other kind of wacky shenanigans stuff where the first one is a little more serious and then it gets wacky near the end uh i say it's serious it's still a comedy Christmas movie, but it's, it's, I feel like it, it, it's, it's more, yeah, no, serious would be the right word for it, like, it, it's still funny, and it's still, like, a fantasy and stuff, but it's, it's a lot, it takes itself more seriously, with this one, they pretty much go full wacky, which is sometimes bad, but I really, I really enjoyed how wacky it got, uh, personally, and there's a third one, which I've seen, I think, once maybe even just a part of it once uh i saw the trailer i thought it looked dumb and then i just never bothered watching it uh and like i said if i did see it i i don't think i saw the whole thing but yeah i think the first two are definitely worth checking out and that's why the second one is on my list number three is how the grinch stole christmas uh it's the 2001 uh version the live action version directed by ron howard and starring jim carrey as the grinch there's just not really anything yet like i have to say about this about this movie it's it's incredible he plays the grinch so well uh the grinch is hilarious he's a whole mood which is just lovely uh you get more of his backstory and stuff which is a lot of fun you get uh cindy lou who played by taylor monson who is who is just a joy uh who many will know uh, from Gossip Girl or for her from her own very cool band, uh, The Pretty Reckless, which is gr- a great band. Uh, go listen to them if you've never listened to them before. But yeah, it's 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 just great. If you've never seen this, go watch it. That's all. <laughs> just go watch it, and the Grinch will bring you happiness. And then number two and number one are related. Um, and probably again not super surprising number two is home alone two lost in new york number one is home alone one i had to really think about it to see which one i preferred and ultimately i do think i prefer one but uh if i watch them i watch them together or i watch them like uh like either back to back or very close together to where they're just kind of one thing to me, even though I put them on the list separately. Uh, these are my favorite Christmas movies, hands down. I watch them every year, at least once. Like Usually anytime it's on TV, I'll start watching it uh, around Christmas time just because. And I never get tired of it. <laughs> and I just, I really want 
I really, really want them to do a kind of sequel with Macaulay Culkin. Well, I, I only yawn during these. I don't get it. But yeah, I, I really want some kind of sequel with like an adult Macaulay Culkin. In some way, I don't even know how, but in some way doing something would be great. Uh, the second one is pretty like, popular because it's got the Trumpster in it in a scene, in a cameo, and it's, um, and it's got, uh, Tim Curry in it, and it's one of, um, Rob Schneider's early, early, early films, uh, so it's, it's, it's star studded, and then the first one is just, is just gold, so, yeah. And then I, I kind of just did other holiday movies in no order, just because at the time I was like, I don't really know what else to talk about. Some of these are, some of these are Christmas. Some of them are not Christmas. Some of them are, are barely holiday movies. Like one of them's Easter, I think. No, two of them are Easter. There's one Thanksgiving and then two kind of Christmas-based ones. Uh, so, and I didn't put them in order. As, as I may have already said. I'm very tired. <laughs> but the first is uh, the 2011 film Hop, uh, which is an Easter movie. It, uh, it's the Easter Bunny's son doing things. Uh, Russell Brand is the voice of the Easter Bunny's son. And he just goes about doing, you know, super, super fun stuff. Uh, it's a good time. It's, pro it's probably not a good time. I've, I've seen it maybe twice. And I thought it was funny, so I, I kept watching it. Uh, yeah. Next up uh, is Rise of the Guardians, which uh, is from 2012, and it's from DreamWorks, and it's essentially the Avengers of holiday stuff. So you got uh, Jack Frost, East Bunny, Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, uh, Sandman, who has really nothing to do with... with uh, Holidays, I guess neither does Jack Frost. Anyways, uh, I feel like it takes place during Easter. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. But I feel like it takes place during Easter or Christmas. So it's one of the, it's a, the holidays are about it, and there's like evil Jude Law is trying to to ruin holidays and and the guardians and stuff. So he's like out to get them, and it's a really fun movie. Um, really fun movie it didn't do well even though it got like really good reviews and it lost it lost a lot of money i think um but yeah i really enjoy it and it's it's one i would recommend to folks next up again i feel like it kind of breaks the rules but because the holiday and this one is very much a part of the plot at points uh, i'm gonna count it <laughs> And it's Adam's Family Values from 1993. A lot of movies from 93. It's a good year. It's a good year. Birthed me. So, you know, it's, it's the best. The holiday I'm attributing this one to is uh, Thanksgiving because a lot of Wednesday and Pugly, Pugsley's, Pugly, <laughs> Pugsley's storyline is building up to the uh, Thanksgiving play when they're at camp and then the 
ultimate result of the Thanksgiving play, and uh, most of the big stuff in the plot happens on Thanksgiving, so like when uh, Fester's house blows up and stuff and all that, that's all on Thanksgiving. This movie's great. Uh, the first Adam's Family is great too, but I couldn't really find anywhere to fit it. But yeah, uh, if you enjoy just like dark kind of humor and, and, and the idea of like being goth in your soul is something that you really feel, then you should you should you should watch this movie because it's good. It's real good. Uh, number two is a TV movie, so it's it's barely a movie, but uh, it's the Rugrats Chanaka. It's called the Rugrats Chanaka, and it's um, I guess it's kind of like Chrismica. It was you know. Yeah, or is it is it Christmaka? I can't even remember. I know I'd seen it, but it's a it was a, the story of Hanukkah. But then they also have a lot of Christmas stuff in it because of I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly because of Angelica, just being like a brat, so they they put some Christmas stuff in. But it's it's Rugrats and it's great. So like, I love it. Um, I honestly don't even I don't even remember if it was a movie or if it was just one episode. I th I feel like it was more than one episode. But I don't I can't even remember. My brain sucks sometimes. It's been a long time. Uh It's been a long time since I since I watched that. But it's it's on the list because I want it to be. And then the next one and the last one uh is a Flintstones Christmas Carol. It's the only like adaptation that I've seen of the Christmas Carol that I've liked. And when I say that it's because like so many things have adapted the Christmas Carol. And it's never that good. Like I guess I that's it's not it's a lie. I like uh the Save by Save by the Bell one. Cuz I feel like they did one too. If I remember correctly. Now I need to know. Did they do one? Well, that was a weird noise. Apologies. Say by the bell. Christmas Carol. Yes. Yes, they did. Okay, I remember that. And it was multiple parts. Yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, the Flintstones ones from 1994. Uh, they kind of do all the regular stuff you'd expect. Tiny Tim is Bam Bam. Uh, Fred is Scrooge. Uh, all that, all that kind of good stuff, and it's it's just a good time, and I really like it, and you should like it too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's all for the ranking of movies. So we're going to move on to the next bit uh, where I decided to do a thing where I, I picked five TV shows that I think should be brought back in some form, uh, whether be that be a TV show or a movie or a limited series or whatever. 
um, and I made it decided that I could only pick five so when I was thinking of these I had to pick the five that I wanted the most I suppose um, and this might not be super accurate as I, as I I might have forgotten something or, or whatever but these are the the five that came to my mind like quickest and they're not yeah excuse me jeez uh, they're not in any real order and I want to point out that Dexter uh, would have been on this list, but as I mentioned last week, and I'm sure many have heard, uh, Dexter is coming back for a limited series. And uh, honorable mention to two uh, shows, The Secret Circle and uh, Terminator The Saracona Chronicles. Both great shows that were ended way too soon, but... Uh, I can't think of any like feasible way that they could be brought back uh, like in a way that makes sense or in a way that like people would enjoy so I didn't put them on but they both should have been continued from like where they were okay so number five the, the first one I'm going to talk about is Chuck uh, in my opinion, the show went downhill in season four. Like, it started, like, dipping, and then it, it just kept dipping. Uh, and it ended in a very unsatisfactory way with a sort of cliffhanger and a cheesy memory loss plot, which I hated. Um, Chuck had been on the fence, like, a show on the fence pretty much from the get-go. Like, season one, I think, was good enough... Not, and not good quality-wise, but ratings-wise, uh, to get the season two, and then from there, every season after that was a was a battle uh, for the, the network, if I remember correctly. So, like, I guess I I could see why maybe four and five weren't as good because by that point it was making it much harder to even get to make it. I don't know why that would affect the quality, but yeah. Uh, anyways, I think they should bring it back for a limited, a limited series of some kind or a movie more in line with the first or second season maybe even the third and just ended on a better footing because like the ending was just it fell really flat for me personally um, and they've been talking about doing a movie for pretty much since it ended so for years uh, how many years would it be now like eight or nine maybe even ten It's it's been a long time since it ended but um I think if you give them a decent budget uh, and you skip far enough ahead that the memory loss issue is gone or been resolved, uh, you could do a really fun limited series or film to, to finish it off like properly. And it would be a nice little like nostalgia trip for people. Anyway, so number four is uh, 24. And I know that they've brought back 24 in a couple of ways because we got 24 uh, living at the day and then the unsatisfying mess that was 24 legacy which I like as soon as they said that Kiefer Sutherland wasn't in it that I think that show was just it was already on death's door but I think we need something to come back where we follow Jack Bauer again and uh, preferably Jack Bauer only whether that's another limited series or movie I don't really care I just want more Kiefer and some more Jack Bauer. I know there were talks uh, 
a few years ago now about making a Jack Bauer prequel, which I would have been like game for, even though there would have been no Kiefer. Uh, but that was scrapped, I think, last year. Fox said, nah. And I think if they bring it back, it doesn't need uh, crazy twists and turns that like retcon other seasons, which became very common uh, post-season five in that show. Just a new, a new story where they need Jack for something. And he comes back and he does his Jack thing. And then there's like, you know, the game is afoot. And, and such because I feel like uh, it's they've ended that show twice now and neither ending has been very satisfying but yeah uh, number three is The Tomorrow People uh, the Tomorrow People was a show from 2013 on uh, the CW, and it was a remake of a British show from the 70s. Uh, and it had to do with some people. Uh, it's essentially X Men. Some people uh, would gain telekinetic powers, and they were being hunted down and used by this group uh, called Ultra. And uh, essentially, they're at war with each other, and y you follow a new character whose powers are just emerging and he's kind of stuck in the middle and you just follow that and uh, there was only one season of it and the first season was really good and it was incredibly interesting after like the first two episodes which most shows uh, have that like little that little jumping on difficulty anyways uh, it was cancelled due to, to low ratings rather than like the quality of the show not being good and it would be difficult to bring back, but I think y you could bring it back in a way that would work. Like, you could you could say that uh, the way it ended, I think, is the Tomorrow People... If I'm trying to remember. The Tomorrow People had gotten into a position where, like, they were doing a little bit better in the war, but then, like, it ended on a cliffhanger where, like, uh-oh, this war is going to get worse. All you have to do is skip forward five years or seven years or however many years you want because a lot of the people in it were at the age where they don't really look that different. Uh, even though it's been seven years. So you could you could say it's only been two or whatever, but you could even skip forward ten and just say that like they've been in a brutal war since then. It's only been getting worse. Uh, and you could put in things like that tomorrow people are new tomorrow people are emerging less but they're becoming more powerful or something and they're harder to control or harder to teach. I don't know. Like there's there's a lot of things they could explore if they were to bring it back. And I feel like with the superhero craze kind of thing at a, at a I wouldn't say an all time high, but it still being fairly high, um, now would be a really good time to bring this back. And throw it back into the uh into the rotation and just see if it does better for one more season. Hopefully it would. Or even just like a, a like a Netflix movie or something. The next one, uh, number two, I guess, would be Dark Angel. Uh, it's actually very much like Tomorrow People in, I guess, in concept and in that it got cancelled due to low ratings. Um, if I remember correctly, it was expensive and, you know, Fox and Fox had to trick her finger on shows to just cancel them all the time. 
Uh, it would also be difficult to do. It'd be difficult to bring it back as it's been twenty years, maybe. When did Dark Angel end? Uh, so it's been 18 years since it got cancelled and uh, the show itself takes place in, in 2019 and it has to do with genetically enhanced super soldiers and the main character played by Jessica Alba uh, is one of those and she escaped from the place and she's just trying to lead a normal life and, and not not die and not be a soldier and I guess so she's technically kind of at war with this facility that she uh, escaped from and it uh, it gets to a point where it's like a full-blown war, and it ends with a very big cliffhanger uh, as to how this war is going. So they could very easily come in, uh, pick up the show as many years as they want later, and just continue the fight from there. So you bring back Jessica Alba, you bring back Jensen Ackles, you introduce like that this place that's been enhancing super soldiers has made better soldiers. But they're like, I don't know. There's just so much you could do with it. There's so much possibility in, in moving this forward. And then you throw on like today's uh, better special effects and stuff because the show had a lot of special effects and a lot of like weird makeup and stuff. And you, like you just throw today on it and what they can do today. And I think this it could be a hit. And. Uh, we know that lately Jessica Alba's had no problem doing television, so maybe this is something she'd come back and she would do. But yeah. That's that's number two. Number one is uh, Charmed. And when I say Charmed, I mean the original Charmed, the OG. Uh, they introduced so many concepts in that show, especially in the later seasons, uh, to give it potential, like to things that you could continue to follow once like the the three charm sisters decided they didn't want to do it anymore or whatever and they could follow so many different plot lines um like you could follow Wyatt and chris on adventures and the rest of the next generation of halliwells you could uh follow kaylee cuoco's character doing stuff like there was a lot you could do instead when they ended it they did like a hop forward to like the future like 50 years in the future or whatever just to show that everything is well and stuff but there's that huge gap that they could do stuff in they could uh change that future whatever like there's a lot of things they could do and i think um bringing charm back is is it could be one of those shows that has the potential to appeal to everyone because it's like it's it's got drama it's got action it's a little soap opery uh but it's also fun uh it could appeal to everyone like of all ages because there'd be teen characters or young like young kid characters dealing with magic but there's also older characters uh like young adults like chris and wyatt who are doing young adult things and then you have the older nostalgic characters like the like the the, the sisters piper page and phoebe and all that stuff i feel like there's a lot you could do essentially and and, and uh that's when I think that should come back. Excuse me. Uh, but I don't think it will. Mostly because they, I know they continued it uh, in comic books, I think. And then there's also the remake, which I personally do not enjoy. 
but I'm sure some people do because it's still going. So, um, yeah. Anyways, so the last topic for today is uh, MMA uh, because it's something that I'm interested in personally and I just needed to rant about it a bit uh, after UFC 254. So a little bit before UFC 254 and then immediately after, there had been a lot of discussion going on about Khabib uh, or Habib Nurmagomedov, who I don't know if he still is technically, or but anyway, he was the light the lightweight champion, so 155 pounds in the UFC, and uh, before this fight, he was undefeated, 28 and 0, if I remember correctly, and a lot of people. We're discussing whether or not he's the GOAT uh, of the UFC and of MMA. Um, yeah, whether he's the GOAT or not, and and if anything, like who, who would rank above him and all this stuff. And then he went at UFC 254, and he won very handily uh, with what looked like apparent ease, and then he retired. And then after that, after that fight, even more people... Uh, even more people came out and started saying that he was the GOAT and that he is the best there's ever been and blah 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 and all that stuff. And I don't agree. Um, so I decided I wanted to talk about my top five uh, the people I think are the GOAT of MMA and most of this is just a focus on the UFC because that's what I've, I've watched mostly. I'm, I'm familiar with other uh, other, what do you even call other uh, promotions? I guess, um, but I kind of stopped watching other promotions once Strike Force died years ago. Like I never got into Bellator, and uh, yeah. But anyway, so the first off, the reason why I do not think uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is the goat is because when I, when you talk about mixed martial arts. And who is the greatest of all time in mixed martial arts? I think you need someone who is great in all areas of mixed martial arts. And uh, Habib is, I think, only he's he could you could say he's the goat of uh, MMA grappling or MMA wrestling, perhaps, because he's very good at those two things. But he has not shown that he is good at anything else. His stand up. Other than like his ability to take a shot and his weird, like luck at hitting, uh, this weird like shovel hook he does, that like always hits people because it's such a strange punch that no one sees coming. Um, like he he's not sh he's not shown anything very impressive on on the feet. Uh, when he fought Ally Quinta back in twenty eighteen. He fought him a lot of it standing up, and it was very, very basic, uh, basic stand up. And he was essentially lucky that that Iaquinta didn't land any uh, any crazy babows. Any crazy babows? Uh, 
and and knocked him out. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Crazy babaos. Uh But yeah, that that was always his thing is that he's always um he he wrestles. He he and it's often described as like mauling people. So when he does, he pushes them back to the cage and then he just ties them up like he just like boa constricts them. And then he just like beats them down on the ground. Uh, and and you know like it works. It clearly works because he retired uh, twenty nine wins and zero losses. Even though many could say the first twenty one of those were against essentially nobodies. Um, but it, he. Ever since, like, Rafael Dos Anjos, other than one person, uh, other than Daryl Horcher, who is still good, like, uh, he's pretty much fought top-level, top-level people other than Ally Quinta, who was a last-minute replacement. But, yeah, so I think he is the, uh, he's probably the best lightweight in the UFC, that's I think that's fair to say. I wouldn't say he's the greatest of all time at lightweight because again, I don't think he, I don't think he qualifies essentially, at least not into how I consider it. But um, he's very good and pound for pound, uh, which I, I fervently believe pound for pound rankings are different than uh, goat rankings. Pound for pound ranking is just saying if these people were to fight, regardless of weight class who would they think is on top essentially or who is the best not considering weight class and if if weight wasn't an issue and you just put like essentially John like John Jones at his level of skill if he fought at 155 and then Habib at 155 like pound for pound usually determines from there who would win that and I, I don't even you know that's a bad example but a lot of the time Pound for pound wise, I think Habib. The, the argument could be made that he should be at the top or near the top. But yeah, uh, I just seen so many people talking about him being the goat, and it and it kind of like, it kind of upset me because I, I. He's the first person in the discussion. That I, like at least since I've been watching the UFC, the first like person who's realistically been in the discussion. So people like people of like repute, I guess, talking about him uh, as as being in the goat discussion. Um, he's the first that's that's not been versatile. Like he's the first that's not been great in all areas. So it's the first time that I really had to think about it super hard, you know? But anyways, um, I'm going to give my top five. Uh, so the people I think are the, the goats of, of the UFC. And if I had to rank them and, um, I, I personally think the top three of this list which I will get to is indisputable or undisputable. You can't dispute it. <laughs> uh, I think these top three guys, they're at the top. The only thing I can accept changing 
is the order because the order they come in can certainly be argued uh there's a lot of like it there's a lot of it depends and and how you look at it for these top three guys so i i, I think if, if anyone is if you're making a goat argument and they're not at the forefront then i think you're you, you there's something you don't get <laughs> anyways uh Number five is uh, Jose Aldo. Uh, Jose Aldo, he's a fighter from Brazil, and he, for a very long time, uh, was undefeated. He went, I think, ten years? Yeah, ten years undefeated. Uh, So he lost one fight very early on in his career. So he won seven fights, then he lost one. And then he went from there to win math uh, 18 more until he lost to Conor McGregor. And then the only people he had lost to since then are incredibly talented people. So he's lost to Max Holloway twice. And Max Holloway is considered one of the best uh, featherweights in the world, like ever. He's lost to Alexander Volkanovsky, who is the current uh, featherweight champion who beat Max Holloway twice. Uh, Marlon Moraes, in a split decision, I still personally think uh, Jose Aldo should have won that fight. I think the judges got it wrong there, so that's not really um, determinative. And then he lost to uh, Petya Jan, who is the current bantamweight champion. But yeah, um... The arguments there that that Jose Aldo's kind of outstayed his peak, uh, and he's now like in the decline. Uh, his fighting styles changed significantly. He, when he was at his greatest, he would mix, uh, he would mix stand up and leg kicks with uh, defensive wrestling. So he would just use his wrestling to keep standing, and then he would butcher. He would pick a like he would pick a part of your body, and he would just butcher it. Like, I remember. He fought when he fought Mark Hominick, uh He just destroyed the dude's face with jabs, and then when he fought uh, Kenny Florian, he destroyed his face and then his leg with with kicks. And it just like he fought brutally. He fought so clean, and he just killed it. Like until the Conor McGregor fight where he got knocked out in the 13 seconds, um, the closest person who came to beating him was Chad Mendes. And even then, like he still won fairly handily. Enough so that it that he 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 won the fight enough so that it was like, uh, no one was upset essentially. And like according to this, he he's defended ninety one percent of his opponent's takedowns. So he's only been taken down in fights of his how many fights has he had? Thirty five fights, seven percent of the takedowns attempted to him have worked. <laughs> like as I mentioned, he's kind of on the decline, I think, and, and a lot of people think. Though he has shown like a, a bit of a resurgence at at Bantamweight, and then he got destroyed by uh Petra Jan, but uh, I think it's undeniable to say that he is he is in the conversation as one of the, the greatest of all time. Uh just because of the run of dominance he had in all forms. 
prior to the Conor McGregor fight. The next up is another Brazilian. Uh, number four is Anderson Silva. Uh, Anderson Silva is pretty much the exact same problem uh, as as your boy uh, Josie Aldo. He came into the UFC uh, fairly unknown to like American people, but already quite popular to the hardcore uh, UFC or MMA fans. Sorry. Uh, in 2006, and then he went on a undefeated streak in the UFC of 15 fights. So he fought 15 times, uh, and won them all, like very handily, <laughs> except for one fight where he was losing it until he got a triangle choke in the last like two minutes of the last round on Charles Sun and it was it was nutty. But he won the championship in two thousand and six and he had it for seven years. And he defended it nine times, I think. If I remember correctly. And he had the record for a very long time until Demetrius Johnson uh took the record for most championship defensive. Uh so ten. Yeah, so he defended the belt ten times, uh, and then he even took a couple of uh, journeys up to light heavyweight. So the weight above where he was at, he was at middleweight, and then again he he kind of he kind of overstayed his uh, his. I wouldn't say he overstayed his welcome because people still like to see him, but he 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 was there for too long because he since twenty thirteen. He has fought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. And he's won one of those fights. Just one. And then and it was one where the a lot of people were kinda like Should that decision have really gone the way it did for him? Like some people thought he didn't win it. Uh I think he did when I had watched it, but uh I suppose it's subjective in a lot of ways. But yeah, he he's now two of his fights have ended from injury. Uh, he's slower. His striking is not as impressive anymore. Um, he's just not. It doesn't seem like he can do anything anymore. So I think a lot of people have lowered him in their in their considerations of the goat, which is like it's it's fair because you gotta consider if you could just pick a time period, like if you could pick like peak late 2000s, early 2010s Anderson Silva, then he's certainly up there. But he just went too long and it kind of has sullied the, uh... It's kind of sullied the, the rankings a bit. But yeah, so that's why he's at number four for me. Uh... Only because of the fact that he's, he stayed to, and continues to stay too, too long. Uh, anyways, so top three, like I said, are, are uh, undisputable, I think. But I ordered them in, in the way that I think they, they go, uh, at least right now. It's it's always changing. <laughs> Just it, it can always be changing because I think that they're so, these three are all so good and it's so close. Uh, but yeah, number three uh, for me, I put John Jones. 
And the reason that I put John Jones is thus. Um, I think John Jones very easily could have been the greatest fighter of all time. Probably indisputably uh, number one, if not for a few things, which I will list. I've been talking for too long and my throat hurts. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta get a drink. Ah, delicious. So yeah, so I'm going to start with just the fight ones before I get into the other issues with John Jones. So first off, he's technically undefeated. Uh, he's technically never been beat. He has a, a DQ loss, which should not have been a DQ loss. It should have been a no contest uh, back in 2009, which everyone thinks is nonsense. It should be overturned, and no one knows why it hasn't been, but it hasn't been. Anyways, uh, he fought Alexander Gustafson in 2013 uh, for the, the Light Heavyweight Championship. And many people go back and forth on that fight and whether he should have won it or not. Um, many people think that Alexander Gustafson won, myself included. And then uh, most recently he fought uh, Dominic Reyes in 2020, uh, February 2020, sorry. And that was another fight where most people who watched it thought that Dominic Reyes won and that the judges just, just got it wrong. Again, uh, one person, one that I was, uh, in agreement with. I, like, I don't think that one was, uh, outrageous. It, it's, it's fair to say that it could go either way. It just depends on what you consider more effective and stuff but yeah that's fight wise that's from his resume that's why I put him at three um, he also is famous for being a dirty fighter so he his like one of his game plans is to poke people in the eyes um, he says he does it to gauge like gauge distance so he puts his arm out with his, like his fingers out and he like paws at people's faces and a lot of the times he pokes people in the eyes and it's 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 pretty clear to anyone that it's on purpose, but um, again, it's it it's te he's technically not doing anything wrong. It's just dirty, and uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, the main reason why I have him at three and not higher is because since twenty fifteen, uh, he has failed four drug tests uh one of them was just for cocaine so it doesn't really count but there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of ped uh potential i guess uh he's tested positive for uh, testosterone replacement he's tested positive for um terenabol which is a a thing that's usually found in steroids um, and then there's been other like inconsistencies with his tests and stuff so like it, it it's been very sussy um, the thing that's it's hard because every single one 
every single time there's been a reason and it's been a reason that the like the uh, commission has accepted so like f- for the time where they found uh tur- turn ball uh the first time it's happened more than once um he said that it was from tainted cocaine <laughs> and and that seemed to be true like that's at least from their investigation that's what they said that it it, it it very likely could have been so they're like okay he wasn't intentionally cheating but i think this puts it it calls into question his 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 career and his run because of how many times he's been popped i guess for for drugs of some kind um puts an asterisk on it so talent wise and skill wise and everything he's shown he could very arguably be, be the best in the world uh the greatest of all time but some things have sullied that a bit or, or have lowered him in the rankings compared to uh the other two who i'm going to discuss um these two are the hardest to choose and the reason why uh number two is a number two I will discuss. Uh, so, number two is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Uh, he is the guy who broke Anderson Silva's title defense record, um, making it 11 title defenses, so that's the new record. Uh, he went on an undefeated run also for s- six years, five years. And then he left the UFC in 2018 after uh, losing a split decision to Henry Cejudo in a fight that, again, um, I very much think the judges got wrong. I watched that, and I was was flabbergasted as to how it ended the way it did. But anyways, um, since leaving the UFC, he's won three fights uh, again. So his... He... he, The only fights he has lost was when he was fighting at a higher weight class than, than what is his weight class. And um, they were to people who were very good. So Dominic Cruz, who many consider the best bantamweight of all time, uh, whose like career got cut short because of a lot of injuries, and Brad Pickett, who is just uh, who's just a bit of a monster. <laughs> but Mighty Mouse is the he's probably the most dominant on this list, and he's the, I would say he's the most talented. Like he's shown them more talent than anyone. Um, he can wrestle, he can submit, he can fight standing up, uh, he can do everything, and he can do everything well. The problem with him that most people have, and that, that I kind of have too, is that the people he went kind of on his dominant run against don't really match up competition-wise to who John Jones and, and uh, George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva and stuff were fighting during their prime. Like, they don't get his opponents don't get the same kind of consideration as everyone else's does because of it being a lighter weight class and because a lot of them not being as good maybe not like skill wise that I don't want to speak to because like I, I have no idea but um like he kind of cleared out the division and then it just became like a okay who's next like which poor soul is next um so it's 
like his 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 opponents and like the I guess the lack of depth in his weight class um, had led to a lot of people kind of discounting his achievements, and I think that's part of why I have to put him at, at number two as well because number one, uh, George St Pierre. It's, I think he kind of goes without speaking as to why he's number one, but he went on an incredible run uh, as well. He's he ended his career, so it, it's still question. There's still questions whether or not he's going to come back, but he he ended his career with 26 wins and two losses. His first loss was to uh, Matt Hughes in a fight where a lot of people were saying that he was probably being a little cocky and uh, just wasn't prepared. Right, and then he lost to Matt Sarah in what many consider to be a fluke knockout, which he very quickly avenged. Uh, he also avenged his Matt. He was lost twice. But anyways, he... George St. Pierre was the champion and, like, the very clear, undisputed, like, best of the best champion during a time when the welterweight division was, was the best division in the world where they had the best people in the world like at that time where like the only like lightweight division today or lightweight division two years ago quality wise was probably as good as the welterweight division was in the late 2000s early 2010s and George St. Pierre beat them all (laughs) very handily um and he did it in a way where he would come in and he would fight most the only person he didn't fight this way was was dan hardy but he would fight them with what they were good at or he would fight them in a way where they couldn't do what they were good at because he would just not let them so for example uh josh koscheck is a wrestler so George kept it on the feet, so he made sure that he wouldn't allow any wrestling, and he just boxed Josh Koscheck, and he beat him so bad that I remember he closed both of his eyes, and it, it was gross. Um, and he fought Jake Shields, Jake Shields, who's a very famous grappler, and he just grappled him, and he like he he beat him like he he became so proficient at grappling. And so many people forget that that's not that's not his base. Like he's a he's a karate and a taekwondo fighter. He's a stand-up fighter, <laughs> and he just got really good at wrestling and and grappling. That it became like his base, I guess. But yeah, he's he's I think he's the greatest of all time because he could fight anyone anywhere and come out on top. And then he, not only did he retire after defending his belt, how many times? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Technically nine, but I, I count his, when he unified the interim and the main one as, as, as one. So, ten times. And then he retired. And then four years later, came back and he fought in middleweight, where he won the middleweight championship. Like, I think, I think for me, it's pretty clear that it's him that he's the he's the greatest that there's ever been. 
Um, and again, it, it's all very subjective, and it's hard to say because it's like there are weight classes, and you can't really compare someone who's fighting today to someone who fought 10 years ago. Like, it's, it's hard to do, and you never really know, but that's just how I view it, and even though no one really cares, probably, I just wanted to chime in after all the uh, the Habib talk over the last the last little bit. But from everything I could see online, uh, because I went looking after seeing that at first, and I saw how much it was there, um, It's pretty much there's the, the the few people who are saying it's Habib, and then there's the everyone else who is stuck between uh, George Saint Pierre and George Saint Pierre and John Jones, and then the few smart people who are talking about Demetrius Johnson. But that's mostly the the, the conversation. So I guess I'm pretty much on the consensus with most other people. But you know, it just it it. It's an interesting topic, and I like to hear and see other people's. It's just sometimes when it's when it's so clearly like to me at least not correct. I, it just makes me need to talk about it, and I don't really have anyone to talk about it with. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it on the podcast. So yeah. Anyway, that's this week's um, episode. I would try to promise that I'll get back on track next week, but you know who knows. Uh, it's been a pretty busy time, pretty hectic time, as I mentioned earlier, and it's, um, I'm trying to get things back on track, just in life, (laughs) get back into a, into a routine of some kind, so once I do that, hopefully I can get more on track with this, but I appreciate, as always, uh, anyone who listens to this, and, uh, Yeah, I hope you have a good, you know, existence. Okay, bye.